Welcome to Inside Photo Organizing from DIY to Pro with Allison Friedman from Arrange Wander Focus of Chicago, Illinois. And I am Susan Wallach from Save a Memory of Northern Colorado. Together, we will provide photo organizing tips and tricks for everyone from the person who wants to do it yourself to other pros in our industry. We'll discuss current software and hardware news about photo and digital asset management. We will be answering your questions, and we hope that as you learn more, you can complete your own photo organizing project and feel more confident to finally know, hey, I can find that special photo that I've been looking for. In today's uh, episode, we are going to welcome a guest that has an extensive background in helping other people through uh, some natural disasters that they may have experienced, including, uh, we'll just give you an example, a flood or a tornado and how to potentially rescue those uh, photos and memorabilia uh, so that you can then digitize them and see if you can keep them in your uh, family legacy. We'll also, at the very end of the episode today, uh, answer a listener question. We love getting listener questions. So we're going to tackle that after we speak with today's guest. All right, let's get going. Hi, Allison. How are you today? Good morning, Susan. I'm doing well. It's finally stopped raining here in Chicago. I don't even know what the sun looks like anymore. <laughs> well, I noticed your background and it had lots of clouds. So I think that's mimicking the uh, the daily uh, mood of the weather, right? Pretty much. I know this is a uh, an audio only podcast. So those of you don't listening probably don't know this, but I change my Zoom background based on my mood or the weather outside. And so, yes, I still have lots of clouds in mine, um, but it is apt for our topic today, actually, because we are going to be talking with Kathy Stone, who we will have introduced herself in a moment. But her expertise lies in rescuing photos from natural disasters. And so think rain and hurricane and wind and fire and water and and all the horrible things. (laughs) Yes, the tornadoes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're super excited to hear from her today about all of this stuff and let her, I will let her introduce herself. Welcome, so, Kathy, Kathy. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, ladies. I'm as as you said. I'm Kathy Stone. I've been helping people organize their photos now for um, I think about 17 years, or maybe even a bit longer if you count my previous previous job. So probably up to might be up to 20 years now. And I founded my company back in 2012 after there was major flooding in the area where I live, where a lot of photos were uh, lost and damaged. And I was looking for some way to help people with volunteer after the flooding. And I went, hey, I maybe I can help people with all these flooded pictures. So I did that. My background um, actually is in, uh, in adult education. I was an uh, adult educator with the federal government of Canada for about 10 years and then uh, stopped retired from that job to uh, have my twin boys who are now going to be 27 next month. So I have a lot of pictures. And so that was partly what got me involved originally with a with a scrapbooking company is was my start in the sort of in the photo management world, because I looked at all the pictures I had that were 
of my youth, my childhood, which wasn't a lot. They were all stored in an old Kodak Instamatic box, which was probably my first camera. And I'd get them out and look through them. So I always liked looking at old photos. And I realized with my twins, and at that point I was still shooting film because I am, as I said, 27 years ago, that I was accumulating a whole heck of a lot more photos that needed to be dealt with. So um, that's how I got started. And uh, the um, shortly after I started my business, I had one client at the time when the flooding hit. And that sort of took me in a different direction for a while and uh, started to help people with the photos that had been damaged in the flooding and trying to get back as many as we could for people of those memories. Wow, that's quite a background. So how did you even know how to help them with the photos? Well, I used my friend Google and a very couple of a couple of friends of mine who are now in their 80s who ran a, a, a Photoshop. Al was a professional photographer. He was an aerial photographer. Colleen is a photographer. And they ran in the old days a camera shop where I think believe they started out developing films and they shifted and did framing and did professional photography. And I thought, well, let me, I'll talk to them. And I phoned them and it was, I already had a bunch of wet photos in my house. So it was sort of like, okay, I got to figure this out. Found a very good article that um, I can send a link for, leave, give you a link for um, from the image permanence organization on that talked about some of the steps and what to do. And uh, another document I found online from Fujifilm. And that was, it was sort of like learn, learn on the fly and figure out what might work. And pivot when something didn't seem to work very well, but just try and I think at that point, our goal was only to um, save as many photos as we could for people so that they would have some of their memories still because some things were, are gone. Like there's yeah. Not, so. so were these loose photos mostly or were they in albums? It was everything, loose photos, photos in albums, photos in boxes, papers, uh -uh. Um, you name it. We had slides, negatives. Uh, all sorts of things. Do yeah, slides do better? Do slides do better if or negs if they get wet or is yeah they do they're they're um, more resilient. Uh, the worst problem with those is is if the water dries because it spots and then you've got spots which are very hard to remove. But they actually did better I think because they're um, there's the un, like the printed film and again obviously that that was inkjet prints are gone. The whole just surface just washes right off. Like there's nothing to do with an inkjet print is not a uh, very stable photo. Older photos, like even old, really old black and whites were actually probably the most durable surviving oh. water of anything. Um, the emulsion on a print tends to, the longer it's wet, it tends to start to disintegrate. So you it starts to separate into colored layers. And then that'll just wipes right up. Like when you go to try and get the big gob of mud off, that'll come right off. So, but that negatives and, and slides provided there wasn't more of a spotting damage, they were actually um, gave better results to, to scan afterwards and digitize. So. so just another reason why people shouldn't throw away their negs and slides. You know, I tell that to people and they said, well, I was just cleaning things out to, you know, not leave so much, you know, uh, for my kids. And, so I didn't think we needed them. And and I tell people, oh, gosh, you know, that's your best original. You know, if you keep anything, keep the negs in the slides. I'm on that same page with you, Susan, is that it is the original. And and to me, it's way easier to store all those negatives. I'm 
I think we were going to talk a little bit about the state of my photos, but I'm currently scanning all my old negatives because, as I mentioned, when my children were born, we shot I shot film for a good 10 years of their life. And I'm now having all the negatives digitized, not the prints, because you get a much better result. And if with a wet photo, if the photo was, you know, poorly because let's face it, when you're paying three bucks for developing, sometimes it wasn't the best quality of you weren't doing your own developing. If the print was, you know, printed too light or printed too dark, then it gets damaged. It makes the editing really, really hard. Whereas if you're working with that original, you've got, you are, you haven't introduced that other factor of the, the development process into the, into the process. So just to, to back up. Yeah, I just want to back up a minute to something you said earlier, which is uh, I make sure people hurt, caught that, that the older photos, you know, setting aside the prints, the negatives and slides for a moment, but it's the older photos that actually do survive so much better just with regular wear and tear than the, you know, four by six double and triple prints that you got from Walgreens in the 1980s or whenever that was big. Yep. We see that over and over and over again. The, the older the print, the actually better it survives over time mm -hmm. because like everything else, as as we've gotten better with technology and all of that stuff and things have gotten cheaper, so has the quality. Um, and so that's often when people ask me, what should they save? I almost always suggest saving the older prints and often the negatives, not always the slides, people don't always have room for those, but those four by six doubles and triples from Walgreens, I'm like, you have, there's really no reason to save those in my, in my opinion, once they are digitized and because that, they're an original that's not great to begin with. If you have the negatives, that's a little different. Um, but yeah. Well, well, and I think, as you say, the technology was so different with all the, with the old black and whites, like there were no doubt somebody in a dark room developing them with and a, by hand, by hand. Thank you. Yes, I just think developing them by hand using a hand process, as opposed to being developed in a in the machines of the eighties and uh, well, probably even the seventies and eighties, because the seventies is the ones that are cursed with the uh, they had really uh, uh, some kind of unstable. If anybody has a lot of photos from the 70s, they're all kind of turning brown and orange because it was an unstable developing process. Or, or magenta. Yes. Yeah, magenta. That's the other one. <laughs> yeah. On that color spectrum, apparently uh, somebody turned that setting way up too high and uh, almost brown. And they tend to keep getting darker and yeah. more distorted and are very hard to edit. So, yeah, I think that's the older photos and certainly... Um, I like to keep the very old, like the old black and whites and the old heritage photos, because I think they represent a different um, era in photography history, too. That um, whereas, you know, I might keep, you may you want to make keep one or two of the 70s from posterity for posterity just to show how bad it was. But it's probably you don't really need them all if you've digitized them. So, yeah. I'm, as you're talking, I can imagine some of the photos I have, and they're exactly what you're telling me, you know, in the 70s, brown and magenta. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about um, what we're talking about today, essentially, is rescuing photos from natural disasters. And uh, 
what we're thinking of when we put this together and when we asked you to be on, Kathy, are things like tornadoes and floods and, you know, these these weather events. And this is, you know, this talk is essentially what happens, those photos that were left behind. Um, and it reminded me of when I lived in Salt Lake City in the 2000s, uh, there was a tornado that ran through the city and we were just outside. I actually could watch it from my window. I watched it come right up the valley, not even knowing at the time it was a tornado. So stupid me didn't go anywhere. But I started to see all this stuff fall into our yard and it was actually big pieces of of roof from the Delta Center, which is where the basketball, the Utah Jazz played. But in there at the time were also photos and papers and all sorts of other things. So if you are someone who, you know, luckily escapes the natural disaster, but left your photos behind, do you have any recommendations for places they can look like who might have picked those up or organizations that to help them find them? I, th I think that that's um, maybe something more unique to tornadoes, probably where where stuff is actually picked up and deposited that is still recognizable. That <laughs> that's what it is. Um, and there is it started was founded after the Joplin tornadoes, if you remember that. So the Joplin oh, yeah. tornadoes occurred just before um, before all of our severe flooding, like this the year before, the fall before we had all the flooding here. And I actually um, spoke on a panel with a, a gentleman named Thad Beeler, who is from the National Photo Disaster Rescue Center. And I'm going to send you the link so you can post it with the podcast. And they started looking for, you could also find it under the found found photos of, Jop, of Joplin Tornado. And they made a documentary about it. But that's actually, um, I think, one of the first efforts I'm aware of where people where someone set something up to try and find that because there was so many of the photos that were all people were finding you know all these photos in their yards and everything and so they cleaned them and scanned them all and then hung them all up and like this is we're back in the uh, 10 15 years ago um so I know social media wasn't even what it was today so they I think they posted them and and then had got the word out um Thad is a minister at a church. It actually was through the church in Joplin. And they got the word out that they had all these photos there. And uh, an old company, of which is now no longer in business, uh, FlipPal, um, donated a whole bunch of, they were they made a little small scanner that would scan up to a five by seven, but you could put it on top of things and stitch them together. It had two sides to it. It was a neat little device, but um they donated a whole bunch of them so that they could digitize them. And so then I think they started posting them online. Um, I'm not aware of any other national wide one. They more tend to be local after a disaster has happened. And usually a group will start up in social media with with a notice that, oh, you know, I'm looking for photos or here, here's some photos and they just post them all online. Are these yours? We found these in our yard. I think that's um, that was what I would do is check social media and usually it's under the name of the the storm, the storm like yeah. there was a hurricane ian and i've forgotten the name of the big hurricane that hit houston and that area a few years ago um there's too many to remember anymore it used to be you know you used to remember katrina but uh now there seems to be four or five every three months so it's hard to keep track of them but i think that's where you'll get um 
sites to find to find that. And I think I think to me what the most important thing is people the word that gets out right away is for people not to throw away the stuff that they find. Yeah, because I know that was a I think that's more now people are more aware of that. But I think back then it was like I had people bringing me um, I knew some volunteers who were working in the town that was severely hit and had people bringing me garbage bags full of albums and photos because they were they had got back in their house two weeks after the flooding. And so this wasn't in real great shape. And the person went, oh, you know, don't throw those in the garbage. Some I know somebody that's trying to that'll try and clean them up for you. So I think that's the most important thing is that people don't throw them away because that's sort of a part of the initial, partly an emotional thing, because the, the the emotional trauma of these weather events is significant too. So, And and wet photos can be rescued, yeah. right? Just because photos get soaking wet and stuck together, they can actually be rescued. And, and I know you have a lot of tips on that. So can you talk about, so let's set tornadoes aside for a moment and talk about flooding um which can ruin well more than photos obviously but if photos get stuck in extreme water and get stuck underwater for long periods of time or start to get stuck together are there ways how do how can we rescue those well the the first thing is if they're still wet is to separate them and let them dry a lot of times and again i say this with the realization that in the middle of a natural disaster it's like, oh, well, let me stop trying to clean, you know, try, trying to get all the spoiled food out of my fridge and bailing water out of the basement and lay all my photos out somewhere. So it's often an or like a volunteer organizations who take on that task. So you need a lot of space to lay things out. Um, but if they're if they're if they're wet, don't let them dry in stacks. If you can't dry them out at the time, freeze them because it does a couple things. One it stops them because you get a layer of almost like frost between them because they're wet. It stops them from sticking together because a stack of wet photos when it dries sticks together like glue because of the emulsion starting to, you know, dip, get, well, if, if you get a photo wet, it gets a little sticky and tacky. Right. So in a big right. stack, they all stick together. So freezing them actually does that. And it also halts the progress of mold because this is my other, um, my other, um, word I I like to get out is that uh, you're not dealing with a clean product. If you have a flood in your basement, like a water pipe breaks, then that's a whole different thing. But if you're dealing with a natural disaster, it isn't just water that got on your photos. It's whatever else got, like in a flood, there's all sorts of contaminants, everything else and Mm -hmm. icky stuff. Uh, We talked about the, uh, we did all this cleaning in my garage and we talked about that that swamp smell that um, it's minute you open stuff up. It was like, Oh, glad I'm wearing a mask, but which is another tip too, is that treat it like hazardous material. I know it's like, it's your photos, they're precious, but at that point it's, they're kind of, they're hazardous and mold is not good for people. It's really, do you want to wear gloves, um, rubber gloves and mask and maybe even cover your clothes, right? Yeah. Yeah. We either wore clothes that were, when, okay, these are old clothes. They have now become my flood cleaning clothes. And after a while, um, I just got Tyvek suits because it was easier than um, getting rid of all your clothes. But And masks. And I, I switched to actually a, a full face respirator. Wow. Because um, 
the older, one of the issues with the stuff I dealt with, like the mold, mold starts to grow in about 24 hours. And even though, and freezing halts its development, it doesn't kill it. So uh-huh. it just goes dormant. And so when you open them up again, it starts to grow again. And if it dries, it becomes airborne, looking for a damp place to start to grow again. And unfortunately, our lungs are a nice incubator for it. So it's really important to not, and be be wary of where you clean them. Like I said, we did mine in my garage. I wouldn't have brought them into the house. So that's a great so point too. Still wet. Ones that have stuck together, you don't really need to do, you're kind of at the point where there's not a lot to do immediately until you're ready to clean them. The ones stuck together, um, you can freeze them and see if they, if that will put enough moisture back in them to peel them apart once you thaw them out. Or if they're really stuck, you, and this sounds counterintuitive, but you soak them in water again. So the process I used for that is I would always take a, a scan. I, I I took a phone scan. I wasn't putting that in my scanners of, of the top photo just in case it got like it got wrecked. So you're trying to save as much as you can. And then I would throw the whole stack in the water. Um, the recommendation was to soak for 20 minutes. Some things I've had to soak for like overnight before you can finally get them apart. But it starts the process of then you can gently peel the um the stack apart. And generally they peel fairly. It's funny because the emulsion doesn't isn't as often peeled off as the backing of the photo. And at some point I thought, at some point I thought, well, I don't even care. If the backing sticks to the next picture, I can get that wet enough to rub that piece of paper off. And if I rip the backing off a picture, I still have the image. So so when you're rescuing the mouse and you're not really um I've had people contact me and say, well, you know, I'm going to get my pictures back the way they were. And I'm like, no, you're not. We're going to digitize them because they're going to be, they're going to look like any other piece of paper that got wet. They're going to be curled. They're going to get wrinkles in them. And so when we dried them, we dried them face up because obviously don't want to lay a wet photo face down on a piece of paper and then had to turn them face down once dry and flatten them because they immediately curl because the natural tendency is to curl up for a photo. So. But it's uh, it's a lengthy process, but there I think the results were very good. I know the people that at that point, if you get any of your memories back is better than nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So when you were putting them in the freezer, um, these are the wet photos that you can't deal with right away because you're trying to, you know, get the water out of your basement and your house. Uh how do you put them in like a Ziploc bag? Do you lay them on, say, a cookie sheet and stick that in the freezer? Like, I mean, let's think realistically. Most of us have a small freezer attached to a fridge, either top or bottom. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking through about the other things that are in my freezer. Like, literally, what are the steps there? Like, I, I've got this now big box of photos that are soaking wet. And I've got maybe 15 minutes to spend on this before I have to actually rescue the other things in my house. How, practically speaking, how do you actually do that? What we did was um, with the first batch, we tried to, we would separate them, the wet ones and put a piece of wax paper between them. 
And then we, because I am a photo organizer, we labeled all the batches so that we knew like if we took stuff out of albums, it, I'd take a photo of the album cover before we threw it away because it was drenched and moldy and everything else. And then we try and layer wax paper between them. If it was the album pages with a page protector, we just didn't bother. And then we did put them in Ziplocs, write it, wrote on them, had a notebook with what was what and who it belonged to. So we started off with wax paper because that's what we had. I noticed I had written a blog post a long time ago and one person said, well, you know, why didn't you use PEC, PEC solutions to clean the photos? And I'm like, because in the middle of the night when half the city was shut down to flooding, uh, we didn't have any. I said, we were knocking on our neighbor's doors getting wax paper because we figured it's not sticky. It's going to. So we used wax paper work just fine, too. And it's a lot cheaper. But um, and then and people have it on hand. Where, pardon? And people yeah. have it on hand. Exactly. So we collected all wait the for Amazon. wax paper. And at some point, we just didn't even couldn't even do that. And it was like we were oper- because people kept bringing me more and more photos. I emptied out a freeze the top of a freezer and a fridge so that I took all the food out of it. So I had space and also I didn't really necessarily want to put the, um, these photos in my freezer the way could, because the, this place, the, the, um, the flood, the floodwaters didn't recede for close to two weeks in this community that I had a lot of stuff from. So stuff sat and things like their washer that was in the basement was now up on the main floor. Um, and the mud, you know, they had like three or four feet of mud um mud we called it we don't want to know what else was in there so I didn't want any of that stuff I didn't want that by my food so I just emptied the freezer out and um probably put stuff in other people's freezers too but it's with a community I had neighbor volunteers and some of our uh I was involved in scouting in those days and some of our my scout fellow scout leaders came and helped me out too with um so it's it's a volunteer it's a community effort and it was one thing that was not in short supply here was volunteers so you could find somebody and say and it was it really wasn't like a highly technical process i had a photo organizer help me with the scanning later but the washing so we'd wash the mud off and then dry them the ones that, and that was and then take the next batch out of the freezer thaw them see where they were at um photos uh in albums, um, depend on the type of albums, the sticky magnetic albums that are the bane of our existence as photo managers. Um, it was really strange because the first one I opened up, the pictures just fell right out. And I was like, oh, I found the solution. <laughs> you just need some dirty flood water to put these things in to get the pictures out. <laughs> uh, that was just not that recommended. <laughs> that, not recommended and didn't work. So um, they were either some fell right out. Some of them, you could peel them off, but the glue had turned into almost like melted pizza cheese. So when you pick the picture up, you'd get this big screen string of glue, which then you'd have to try and capture before it like stuck itself to the front of another picture. So that took a long time, much the same way, but it was, and some of them were really stuck badly and it was like, okay, we're gonna just, scan them and but but the we used the same old thing wax paper um and again all those things got thrown away um the traditional scrapbook albums that people do with scrapbooking um the photos could be saved quite often the paper didn't a lot of them though i have to say a lot of them that were uh create a memories brand with a page protector over them survived quite well it was mostly cover damage in the first few pages and a lot of the in between because the plastic cover wasn't sealed 
it lays over the page and it's open at the top and the bottom. So I think a lot of the water was able to just run right out. Huh, interesting. Sitting in like those pocket albums where you have the four on a page, the water literally, you thought out and pour water all over your feet because the water was literally, you didn't just have a little moisture, it was soaking wet. So but a lot of it was just and trial it, and error and thinking, operating on things that's anything we can save is better than nothing. Yeah. And the emphasis would be on saving the image so that you can digitize it because you don't want to save any of the physical. No prints after that you don't know what's as you mentioned there could be mold and they're not going to look the way that you want oh no and they're they look. take up like wait they take up about twice as much space just from having been wet once they're even dried like they just take up way more space because they're curled and they're ratty and some of them you could save the image in the middle but the edges were all the emulsion was all separated so they weren't you don't want to save them so so Ultimately, what you're telling our audience is don't have high expectations of recovering the photos uh, in in their original state. You're lucky if you can get the center of some of them, mm-hmm. um, some of the subject matter, maybe. But yeah. Well, I think important to focus on then on there, too, is to focus on the important photo okay, back into the whole culling it takes on a whole new sense of focus on what's important. Important, it's, right. Like the scenery photos, you because it's a really, it's a time-consuming process. So you may be at that's a point where you go, you know what, I've just got to give up my the 6,000 photos I took of the Bouchard Gardens. Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, focus I do on, love the Bouchard Gardens. <laughs> I probably yes. have 6,000 photos do, there. I've seen an awful lot of people's pictures of Bouchard Gardens, so... And it is, it's gorgeous, but it's, that's, I use that as my example that um, if the people are in them, then save the ones that have the people in them. Yes. Don't, because again, this is a worst case scenario as opposed to, or or maybe for me, it's called called the best case scenario because you got stuff back that you were going to throw in the garbage. So, right. So Preemptively, you know, if if we were to suggest to people, what's the best way to store your photos to, you know, just in your home in general, uh, to give them the best ability to survive something if you're not at home and say your basement floods or disaster strikes? How how do you recommend people store their photos? Um, not in their basement. And basements are bad for a number of reasons. It depends. Like I have a fully finished basement in my house and I don't live in an area prone to flood in the basement. So it would be pipes bursting. But um, if you're in an area where where the basements flood, just for any old reason, I wouldn't store them in my basement. If your basement isn't temperature controlled, like mine, they, your photos like to live where you do. So in my basement, it's temperature controlled. It's all, it's finished. It's not you know, we're not, it's not a dirt basement or anything. So it sort of depends on the, on the conditions, but the photos, they're better off where you are. Um, I'm fortunate where I live because humidity is not normally an issue here, but if you're in the Eastern part of the world there uh, of North America, where humidity is an issue, storage rooms, basements are not good for photos. Um, I recovered a bunch of my mother-in-law's photos that were put in her storage unit when they, when she moved. And they had been in her living room and a whole bunch of them molded in the storage unit just because of the humidity. So humidity is not good. Um, I think it's important to think about 
uh, a lot of people were shocked and uh, they say, oh, well, put them in a Rubbermaid. Sorry, I used a brand name there, but put them in a plastic storage container. Most of those aren't waterproof. They're water resistant to the top of the lid. Right. And I mentioned earlier the washing machines that were moved by the force of the flood to this second story. The lids didn't do a whole lot of good. It, usually the, the plastic storage containers fill with water and then your photos are still sitting in water. So they'll protect them from a, uh, um, like a pipe, break, if a pipe breaks or something and it, the water and it sprays, yeah. It sprays. Yeah. That's, it's better than nothing. Um, the only really truly water tight containers are the things hikers and kayakers and canoeists use for their their things. And you got to make a decision there. Is that really how you want to store your photos? Because if you're storing them in a big camping drum, um, they're protected, but it's not really that convenient to look at them. So I think that for me is where digitizing them ahead of time so that those things aren't the only copy. Sure. And if you it's have all a- about, yeah, I mean, it's all about the the risk and what yeah. you want to do. So I don't keep my own things in 100% tight containers. They are in plastic containers, but I also don't keep them on the floor in my basement. But if yeah. you do not live in a flood prone area, your danger is more likely to come from things like, you know, a super heavy rain, you can, you can get some flooding in your basement, you but flooding. you're not yep. going to get 15 inches of flooding, you're going to get one. Yeah. So your photos can be safe there. Yeah. And attics are another area. I mean, that's not generally a a flooding issue, but attics are generally not a good place to store your photos for the same reason, heat and humidity. Um, I can't recall if you mentioned at the beginning, but uh, you are in Calgary, right? Just the people listening know. Um, So yeah, humidity is not an issue for you. I grew up in the Northeast where humidity is a huge issue and same in Chicago here. So your instruction to keep the photos where you live is I think the best guidance because if you're comfortable, your photos will be comfortable and they'll be kept safe. Yeah. And and I think the other thing that's that's, uh, occurred to me recently because I helped someone recover um, a whole bunch of photos that were uh, in a... It was an old program that no longer existed, and the you required the program to read the disk. The disk, the backups were done. This was back in the 2010 era. You backed up your photos to CDs, um, which were like an old. It's an old-fashioned thing for people who are younger um, it's, that we don't use anymore. But you needed the program to read them. It wasn't just like a backup where we say, you know, where you had an external hard drive and had all your photos on it. You needed the program to read it. So um, a client of mine had used the program for years, had backed up both of her, all of her kids' um, baby pictures were all backed up on these disks. And then she switched over this PC program, switched to Apple. And she had backed every, got everything out of it before when she made the switch and had it all. She had a backup drive. Just like we recommend the store in two places, she had a backup drive for her Mac and she had them all on her Mac and was working on them. And uh, somebody, and this poor woman had survived the flooding and where uh, south of us, um, somebody broke into her house, took her computer and all of her external hard drives, which is something oh, we never ouch. think about because we think about other natural disasters and we worry about fire. And that would be the same case with a fire. 
So the, about three, four years later, it was just a couple, about a year ago, she contacted me and she said, I found all those backup CDs in a box we hadn't unpacked. And so I was able to recover, I think I recovered like 30,000 photos off of her. Oh, her, that's wonderful. Off, off her backups. And she had, she had scrapbooked them in a traditional scrapbook. So she had a print. But these were all digital photos that she and she lost the digital part of it. So, right. Um, so that's, I think, why I as much as there's the the discussion and privacy and privacy becomes more important to us in this, this era um, where I kind of like a cloud backup too. Well, right? it goes to keeping one and we've talked about this probably on every episode, I'm guessing, <laughs> and probably will on every episode moving forward. But the idea is to always have a full copy somewhere else, just not with everything should not be kept together. And that extra copy can be in the cloud. And if you're not comfortable with that cloud, that extra copy could be on an external drive that you keep in your office or at the bank or with a friend or family, just not where you are. And that's the key so that if a flood takes your house or somebody comes in and and burglarizes you you still have it yeah you have it somewhere right and And, you know when you look at cloud storage too there's there's the cloud storage that goes along with the uh photo libraries so whether it's apple uh cloud storage or it's google cloud storage or it's amazon but there are also other companies that do cloud backup and they have different terms of service and and I think also can provide you with a little bit more privacy than some of those other uh, companies do when they are also your uh, photo library provider. So, um, you know, think about doing that because if you do, um, whether it's um, Carbonite or iDrive or Backblaze, any of those types of uh, online backup companies, they can also back up the rest of your data on your computer. So if you've got a business, it could be your QuickBooks, uh, could be your um, your documents, uh, your your music. You know, to a lot of people, music's just as important <laughs> as photos. So yes, yeah. well, and there's think, also too, others peace of mind yeah. from that. Like I use a cloud a backup that backs up an automatic backup. It backs up everything. It's not just my photos, but absolutely exactly. Everything. I can't go in there and say, oh, I'd like to find this picture from 1976, but it's a peace of mind that everything is backed up, all my business, all my personal stuff. Exactly. Is all, and it's being done automatically. I don't have to remember to do it. So I feel that, I think that peace of mind to me is worth um, potential risk of it being hacked. So Yes. Yeah, and, and there's okay. others too. So you're talking automatics. I also, I use automatics, but I also use, you know, there's also Dropbox or pCloud or others where you can take the things that are just most important and, and stick them in a safer cloud place where you can actually access it and find immediately that photo from 1973. But what you said is really important too. We focus this show on photo organizing, obviously, because that's what Susan and I and you, Kathy, do. But this actually holds true for all important documents. Mm-hmm. Every important document should be handled the same way with a copy off site. But that that does take us a little bit afield. So um, going back to getting us back to uh, saving photos from disaster. Um, 
Let's see. I'm, I'm looking. We we send Kathy a list of questions like we do all of our guests. We've been talking mostly about print and digital or a little bit about digital. Uh, I did want to make sure we covered that. Like one of the things people can do, I think, is if you do have your photos digitized and you live in an area or you know that there is a natural disaster coming, it's super easy if they're already digitized to be able to just grab a little external hard drive. Yeah. Right. I mean, I almost think you might want to put one of those in, in a disaster kit. If -hmm. it's something that's important to you, because they're tiny now, you can get a a two terabyte drive. That's like smaller than your hand. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you could do probably is, you know, start thinking about getting that collection digitized so that you can keep it in the cloud or on a little drive that you could grab on your way out the door. That's a really important point, Allison, because just we had a lot of fires in here in Western Canada, um, not precisely what, not where I am, but nearby. Um, we certainly experienced the smoke from them. Uh, but I do know personally people who were um, evacuated for fires at various points. And a lot of people think, well, I've got all my photos and all my albums and boxes. I'll be able to just, uh, you know, I even know some people have built special shelves for their photo albums with handles so they can grab them if they have to get out of the house in the case of a fire. The unfortunate part is um, uh, one of the people that I knew who ended up leaving, she grabbed her both kids' baby books and her wedding album and left all the rest. And she's been scrapbooking for like 20 years. So there was lots more because they had one car. They could they all had to go in one car because they're where they were evacuating from. It was a 10 car ferry that was going to get them out of their area across the lake to the roads to get out. Um, and it had taken them. They were moving, taking them a good, she said, took us like 40 minutes to unload all the boxes of albums into the house when we first put them in all in that place. And uh, they had like 20 minutes to go. So by the time you get the the cats and make them get in their crates and you get the important papers and you get yourselves together, you're not going to have enough time. And I think that was, especially with fire. Because floods, and and I think part of it too is like well, the better safe than sorry. If you're in an area and they say, well, the hurricane, I would be of the mind that I would get my photos somewhere else. If I wanted to keep them, I would take them to somebody I knew that lived somewhere that wasn't going to be hit. I wouldn't go, well, I hope it misses me. Um, and the same with a flood. But with a fire, you don't, times that happens in a minute where you don't have time to think about all this. So to me, digitizing everything is the answer it's the answer for the future and not just for disasters but particularly because that's what we're talking about today but to have everything like you say you could grab that hard drive you can't drop grab your and i know people have like a hundred scrapbook albums like that's that's a lot of stuff if you also need your clothes and your pets and that stuff to load up to get out of of places and and, uh, and to me, uh, so much work went into people who have actually organized and scrapbooked all their pictures or organized them and, dig- and told all the stories behind them, like to lose that eek. Um, yeah. That's a lot of work and a lot of memories. So, And you can digitize a whole scrapbook page. So when you say Absolutely. scrapbook, I tend to think of those 12 by 12 pages with you know, lots of pictures, maybe the pictures are in different shapes and there's all sorts of other stuff and writing and, and whatever on the page. And people spend a lot of time on that. 
but you can just digitize the whole page so that you, if you lose that scrapbook, okay, now you've got hopefully a digital copy in the cloud that you can flip through and, and digitally. And if you wanted to, you could actually have that reprinted from the digitals into a book that will take up a lot less room. So it really is a fail safe. Yeah. Way of, of as I mentioned, I started with that pile when my children were, I think they were only two and I decided to start scrapbooking. Um, and I'm now, uh, uh, I, I'm now working on the third year of their life because that was one of the questions you were asked me later. The state of my photos, it's abysmal would be one word for it. But well, let's go to that then. I Did have, you just say it was well, abysmal? <laughs> I'll, I'll seek sequel into that one for you. Yeah, I'm, as I think, I don't know if you're aware, I'm, I'm in the process of retiring from my business to work on my family photos because in every family, somebody has... I've got all my mom's photos. I have photos from my husband's family. Um, I've actually not just my mom's. I have my whole her whole side of the family, the heritage photos. And I because I was busy working on other people's photos, mine just never, never had the time to do them. So I'm working on that right now. So it's uh, and I have digitized my scrapbooks. That was one of the first things I did. I just had them all scanned, scanned the whole pages. I don't care if the the pictures are separate, but. I'm a big believer in the storytelling part, which is what attracted me to um, scrapbooking because that's what a lot for for many people. That's what it was all about. The way I got into scrapbooking, it was more about telling the stories than um, the crafty part because I'm not a crafter. And um, it was more getting those photos down and writing what they were because I had all those photos of my mother's that if we were lucky, somebody might have written a date on the back and going through that whole process of going, gee, I wonder who that is. Um, I don't want that to to happen. And I think in my experience, and people have told me now, um, as I get older, that uh, I hear a lot of people my age say, well, my kids don't want the photos. And I th- I've had it expressed to me by, uh, by a person who's not a whole lot younger than me, but is very much lives uh, minimalist, lives in the digital world. And he doesn't want the whole big mess that fills up a room and a half at his grandparents' house but he can't wait to look at all that digital stuff. And I know he will, he'll go through every picture, he'll add comments if he can. Um, I think that the younger generation, that is another, I guess the disaster for me in that is people who just pitch away photos when when elderly parents have to be relocated somewhere and pitch away photos because nobody knows the stories behind them. So, and I think that to me is almost a bigger disaster than losing pictures sometimes is losing the stories that people have to tell because it's uh, it's important. It's uh, our our legacy and our history, and uh, even the people I talk to who uh, who don't have kids, and they say, "Well, you know, why would I tell this?" And it's because each and every one of us is part of history, and I think we may be more aware of that now after living through a pandemic, a global pandemic, that will be something that in the future will be talked about much like the plague or anything else that was affected or the wars. And uh, I want to hear those stories. So everybody's got connections, whether they have kids or not. Exactly. doesn't matter. Everybody has and, connections to other people. And you have a history, no matter what you'd like to say, well, don't, who, who cares about what I did? And it's like, well, you have a history, you have a life history. Um, like even Susan, you mentioned you lived in, in Maui, in Lahaina. That's, yeah. that's a history that is now connected to modern events. Exactly. Memories of having been there. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it 
and I'm single. I am not married. I have no children. However, I do have uh, a brother. Um, one has one has passed, but I do have one uh, brother that's uh, he and his family, and I have a nephew that lives here in town. So, <clears throat> and uh, he has a little girl. So my great niece. Mm-hmm. So she's she's the the future of our family, and I've got my parents photo albums that I'm, I'm digitizing and I'm also digitizing a lot of movies. Uh, we, we took a lot of, um, VHS movies and, uh, mini DV, uh, movies back in the day. So I'm digitizing those as well, saving those for, for my nephews and, uh, my great niece now. And those will survive getting wet a lot better once they're digitized. Yes. Uh, I never actually uh, encountered anybody. I feel like probably people just threw all those the videos away. I'm pretty sure video VHS and mini DVDs do not tolerate water well. I do know there are some people who who might be able to clean them, but. I think um, I think it, it probably is similar to and I'm kind of guessing here the negatives actually, is if you can get them before they dry, there are people who can clean them off. Yeah. I mean, it's just the same kind of film. Yeah. Kind of. I I shouldn't talk too long about that. I really don't know. I'm making this up at the moment because I don't, I have not, I do a lot of video conversion, but I've not had people bring me wet videos or fired videos or anything like that. Yeah. I've never encountered them. So I I don't, I just am imagining that they're not that. I think the, the other thing to consider when people look at well, you know, it, it's going to cost me a lot of money to get my photos digitized and to digitize all those things. It's not cheap. Um, I am pretty sure it would take a lot longer to recover a soaking wet VHS tape and digitize it than to digitize it before it gets soaking wet. I'm pr- And again, ta- we've been talking about, you know, storage Um that little hard drive, even if you want all those things, movies on a hard drive, takes up a whole lot less space than a whole cabinets full of video DVD tapes, yeah, e tapes and things. So, and yeah. I think we're also losing the capability of um, transferring I had our, our movies that were done with my with a camera, Sony back. Well, it would have been when my kids were were born in 1996, that era, and. I probably could take it somewhere and get it fixed. But when I was trying to preview the tapes, it worked for a bit and then it just stopped. It's not happy camper. So the equipment to look at even at even look at look at them is is essentially like you, a lot of people come to me and they say, can you get my stuff off this DVD? Because I don't have a DVD. I don't have DVD drives in my computer anymore. So with the technology advancing, it's really it's going to cost you way more in the future to do any of this than it does to do it to do it now and I to me it's a solid investment in the um in that and peace of mind I think just to know that 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 isn't the only copy of everything and and you can clean them out first you know do it in stages yeah digitize the people pictures and then you know set the landscapes aside yeah um okay we are getting close to the end here so here's my favorite question for all guests um, what is the strangest photo in your collection? Oh, I thought about that one for a long time and I don't really, I, um, oh, you must have something. Well, it, it might be the picture I took. I, I was cleaning out a drawer the other day and I found a set of headphones from a, uh, the, the headphones you used to hand out on an airline from a now defunct airline. 
that's gone bankrupt sealed in their original thing that for some reason I kept in my drawer. So I have a picture of that that I just took a day ago. So that's kind of weird. Um, boy, that's a tough question. I'm gonna say I'm gonna use one of my clients' photos, and I and they I have permission. I'm not gonna say their names or anything, but as I was organizing their collection, which is my thing, is the stories. Is um, uh, I found an envelope. They had not just photos; they had everything. So I was opening up an envelope. It was an envelope addressed to my client, and it said from Surrey. And there's a Surrey in British Columbia, just east of us. But this family, up until that point, where I'd gone through like four decades, four decades of photos had never had any connection, had never been in that. They were in the U.S. for a long time. That was the roots. They were here. And I'm like, oh, no, now what? Like, what is this going to be? So, but And I didn't totally look at the postage mark. Surrey hit me, I think, BC. So I open it up, and it's uh, a letter to my client saying, thank you so much for birthday, you know, the birthday greetings. Um, it is very... It was interesting to learn that we are, were born on, the, that we have this share the same birthday. And it was signed by Sir Winston Churchill. So, oh, wow. That's not really weird, but that I think might rank as my coolest thing I ever found because I was a big Churchill fan. So when I, and I figured out it was from Surrey, England, and he was long retired from being the prime minister of England. But my client, because this just, which the story to, it's her personality that she would write to the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom to point out they were both born on the same day, not even the same year, just the same day, and to wish them happy birthday. So that I think is probably my one of my favorite now now photos because it's digitized now. So of finds, but that counts. Yes, I think that counts. That's amazing. You have given us so much incredible information today and in the show notes will be the links to the articles that you mentioned and a link to you and um and all of that so that people can look and i think your blog posts that you've done on rescuing photos uh will have that down there as well so that you know give people some direction if this happens to them and as you mentioned you don't necessarily think of it as you're running out the door this mm -hmm. is the stuff that you have to think about later but hopefully people will start thinking about future proofing their their photos and their memories so that if a flood or a fire comes you don't have to worry about that at all you know you you focus on the other things so Kathy thank you so much for Thanks joining for us today it's always a pleasure and every time I learn something new thank you so much Kathy that was awesome that's great thanks for having me that was a really interesting topic for me. It's uh, an area that I am not that familiar with. Um, and so hearing Kathy learn about what she needed to do to volunteer and help uh, her community and other uh, people around her with these photos over the years as disasters have happened is very uh, special. Uh, it takes a special kind of person to, to do that and want to help people at that uh, level. Don't you agree? Oh, for sure. And this is really stressful situations that she's talking about. I mean, these are people who potentially have lost everything, uh, at the very least have lost a lot that really matters to them. So it's nice that there are people like Kathy out there that can teach us at least how to recover the memories 
so that those don't get lost. And we talked a lot at towards the end there about things you can do to prevent, which we'll come back to. But if it's too late and your things are, you think, ruined, hopefully, you know, you have listened to this podcast and learned that maybe they're not. You know, maybe we can take those wet photos and and save them, get them digitized. One thing that really struck me uh, was when she was talking about mold. We get a lot of uh, flooded basements here in Chicago. We don't have we do actually have occasional tornadoes, but we don't really get hurricanes and things like that. But we do get a lot of flooded basements. And I don't think I had really realized how quickly mold can grow. I know how dangerous it is, but how fast. And when you have a flooded basement, you can actually pull stuff out relatively quickly. So maybe, you know, that can be cut off before the mold starts. Um, But it was also really important for me to hear what you need to do when the mold is there and the precautions you need to take with the gloves and the masks. I don't know that everyone needs a Tyvek suit like Kathy does. (laughs) But we all have masks and gloves in the house now, so it's a good idea to put those on when you start trying to go through all of the things that have gotten wet. Exactly. And, and you know, even if you're looking at your collection that was in the garage, uh, if it was just in a cardboard box and it wasn't sealed properly, again, you probably still want to use mask and gloves as you go through that because... Uh, animals, uh, animal droppings and everything can be in there and you just want to protect yourself. So um, the other thing that we want to stress, like we do on uh, many, if not all of our episodes is to get those pictures backed up. So if they're already in a digital format, there are files on a computer, that should be fairly easy. Go out and get yourself an external hard drive today and you'll thank yourself down the line when you've got that backup if something were to happen to your main computer. Uh, and again, the uh, physical items, that does take a little bit of time. But again, if you don't have the time and you would like to get some of this done, uh, there are people all across this uh country and in several other uh, countries as well, uh, where people can help you uh, digitize your memories. So get those done so you can enjoy them. I I have a a client right now that has just um, been over the the moon with uh, seeing her uh, images of the of her daughter growing up and, and helping to caption those so that when she gives this collection to her daughter, her daughter will know, oh, that was the trip to Amsterdam or whatever. So uh, get those files, uh, I'm sorry, the the prints and everything backed up so that you you two can enjoy your, your, uh, your, your memories. So when we drop this uh, episode, this is going to uh, be published early in December. So we want to talk a little bit about uh, perhaps things that you might be able to still have time to do uh, for Christmas. I love your your segue there, Susan, which really isn't one, but we are nothing if not authentic on this show. <laughs> and when thinking about what else we wanted to add to this episode, and we did realize it's dropping December 1, we figured we should provide a few of our favorite photo and memory holiday gifts 
that you, if you listen, are you listening early in the month would still have time to get for your loved ones. So some of my favorites are quite simple. Favorite photo, find a favorite photo of someone and it doesn't even have to be a person. It can be something that makes you laugh and get it made into coasters or an apron or a bottle opener or uh, glasses, tote bags, all the things. And there are a ton of websites where you can do this. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be expensive. Um, doesn't need to, you know, need to go hunting all over the place. There's tons that will do it and they just make great gifts. I don't know. Susan, what are your favorite photo gifts? Well, in the past, it's been uh, digitizing old prints for my, my parents and putting them into one of those electronic, um, digital frames, photo frames. Um, and, and now I'm enjoying them, uh, because I've, I've recently purchased one that I can easily just email photos, uh, into my collection and, and then they show up. Uh, you can also do this, um, with Amazon photos or Google photos and have them display as a screensaver on your computer, uh, or your, uh, TV or, or even your, um, Amazon device. Um, uh, I don't want to activate mine, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, those are fun. I love the digital frames. Actually, you know, we, we gave one to my parents a year, maybe it was two years ago. I don't know. And some of them allow you to email photos and videos to it. So I gave the login to my younger son and he likes to send videos of him telling bad jokes. So my parents will be walking by the frame in their house. And all of a sudden, my young son will be speaking this horribly bad joke. And I don't want to tell him this. And he does not listen to this podcast, so I'm not worried about it. But I'm pretty sure they turned the sound off after that <laughs> because it scared them a couple of times walking by. That's funny. But super fun. So you can use digital frames to bring loving memories or you can use them to, you know, play to scare, you, jokes scare your grandparents. Scare your loved ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So another fun idea, and this one costs nothing at all, uh, something you can do with family or friends or whoever you're with on the holidays is literally just get some photos together that you don't know really what's going on in them. Maybe they're older or maybe you just don't remember and pull it out, pull out your phone and have the people around you just make voice memos or videos about what is in that photo so that you can start gathering some stories, especially if you have any older you know, grandparents or older friends that are with you and they might know some things that you don't. So you can get that recorded. You can type it in, of course, but I think it's kind of fun to get the voices down to and just save the audio file. All phones have a recording function of some kind. So just use that and that's free. That's a great idea. We have a question that we would like to answer this month that was sent in via our website. It comes from Larry Mazzola of Milford, Connecticut. And he wrote, thank you, Susan, for calling into the Tech Guy show. Otherwise, I would never know about the photo managers. I'd like to organize my collection of digital and printed photos and would like to know what alternatives there are to Lightroom that aren't subscription-based. 
I am on Apple platforms. Also, I have pictures everywhere in folders on drives from older computers and backups with multiple copies of the same pictures. What's the best way to start from current time backwards or sort things out first? Sorry, listening to your podcast just opens up so many more questions. Thanks. Keep the podcast coming, Larry. Okay, I love this question because this question is literally how every conversation with every kid starts. It's (laughs) exactly the same. Um, And it's huge. And that's what we're here for. And I also love the fact that Larry is now thinking about it after listening to our podcast. So Susan, why don't you start us off? What would you suggest for Larry? Sure. Well, Larry, uh, first off, thank you for uh, listening to our podcast. We we do appreciate it. And um, I just love uh, the whole Twit Network, um, Leo Laporte and his staff. So yeah, it's a great show. So that's that was fun uh, getting on that show and asking Leo some questions. So now I get to share some of our knowledge with you and the rest of our listeners. And as Allison mentioned, um, this is what we do on a regular basis, trying to sort out people's uh, photo uh, messes. And I can tell you, Larry, that I have been in your shoes and probably still am. I'm climbing my way out of it as of late uh, because being a good IT person, I have numerous backups. And then not keeping track of them as uh, the years go by, but um, desperate to hang on to those copies. I have collected quite a slew of uh, different versions of whether it's Apple uh, photo libraries or uh, backups of Google Photos or uh, backup of hard drives, uh, you name it. So what is not clear in your question is if you're currently using Lightroom for your uh, photo uh, library and photo management, or if you're using Apple Photos or some combination of both, because you said you are on the Mac Apple platform. So uh, I'll just recommend a couple of quick things. One, it's to realize that it you didn't get into this position overnight. It took a while to get all those uh, photos uh, backed up and numerous copies and whatnot. So one of the things to remember is that you want to make sure that you have a copy of everything. And what I like to do is I like to start fresh. I go out and I buy a ginormous uh, external hard drive. Now, you can get them at upwards of 18 terabytes if you so need. And so why I'm saying this to you is that if you're not sure uh, how much space you're going to need, unless you can uh, go back and get the info on uh, every folder that contains photos in all those backups and older computers, you may not want to worry about counting those uh, gigabytes and terabytes. You may just want to go out and get uh, as large of a hard drive as you can afford. And what I would recommend is you get two blank ones, two brand new ones. And what I have and use is this nice little, um, I like to call it my hard drive toaster. <laughs> so it's an Enatech hard drive cloner. And it is a little black uh, box 
and it comes out uh, and plugs into your computer with USB 3. Uh, this particular model supports uh, two uh, uh, hard drives, and it will support either the two and a half or three and a half, and also SSDs. And so I can put those uh, easily into that little uh, device and connect it to my computer. And now I've got two external hard drives uh, that are quite large. And then I would use one of them as a backup to the other. So the first one you're going to do is you're going to create your photo hub. And that is taking copies from all these different locations that you just mentioned. And do not rename the folders. Try and be uh, descriptive as to where they're coming from. So if it's coming from an old Apple uh, 2012 MacBook Pro, I would put that information in the uh, as the folder before I start loading all my my content. Then once you have all your content uh, that you want to manage, all your photos, and this could be movies too, um, on, on that one hub, you're going to make a copy. And so that little toaster uh, device can then easily make a copy of that other hard drive as you're working on it. So it can either be, um, uh, you know, what I mean is you, you, back up everything on that one hard drive and you make a copy and then you take that second copy and you put it on the shelf. You, you don't, uh, keep that updated this way. You can feel more relaxed as you go through the, the deduping or the, the removing of duplicates, um, and deleting photos. You don't have to worry that, Oh my God, I'm possibly deleting that, uh, that one image I want to keep. Now it's to find the software to manage all this. So if you're going to want to migrate away from Lightroom, I don't know, again, if you're on the Apple platform or whatever. So um, we're shooting in the dark here, uh, trying to answer those questions. But um, there's a uh, Adobe Bridge is free. Uh, So if you already have the Lightroom uh, subscription, Uh, you can create a free Adobe ID and download Adobe Bridge. Now, Adobe Bridge is a powerful photo asset management software, allows you to manage your collections. And so that's one way for you to start to see once you've got everything on that external hard drive, what's in that hub. And you can uh, begin to uh, evaluate different collections, merge them, and it will do it on that hard drive. Uh, another option is to get something like Photo Mechanic from Camera Bits. Um, it is a one-time purchase. They are unfortunately transitioning next year to a subscription-based model. In May of 2024, their website says right now these softwares are on on sale. But when this podcast drops, of course, it's going to be in December, and and Black Friday will have passed. But um, you can still purchase a one-time license. Now it will only receive uh, uh, security updates, but no product updates. Cause you know, we have to be honest, Larry, a lot of companies are moving to the subscription based model so that uh, their product can be more sustainable moving forward and um, keep up with technology. So the, uh, the other thing is if you need to get photos out of an Apple library, there's numerous products that can do that. Um, one of the ones that I've been looking at um, is called Avalanche, and you can convert multiple uh, different types of photo libraries, whether it's um, Capture One, um, 
or uh, Lightroom or Apple Photos. And um, I've used that on my a- old older Apple photo libraries and it it uh, exports them out in a nice logical uh, folder format for you. Uh, another option that is on the on the realm or line of uh, being a asset or photo management software is another uh, software by the same company that you would get Avalanche from, and it's called Peak Two P E A K T O, and you can manage your photos. And that is a one-time purchase. And I I know they offer um, subscription based, I think, but you can still get that product um, as a one-time purchase. And uh, those are my suggestions there. There's other ones like uh, Apple, uh, uh, it's an Apple-based, Mac-based software called Photos Takeout to get your photos out of Apple library. So once you've got that, you're going to have to figure out how to dedupe. And we would recommend something like Photo Sweeper, which is a great uh, deduping piece of software. Uh, So my conversation here is basically just about uh, the software and the tools you need, not necessarily the how-to, the process. Maybe Allison can speak to that. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, this is a massive question, of course. And Susan, of course, also gave us some great suggestions. So my question to you also, Larry, is to think about, do you want to have your final library when everything's done? Do you want to keep it in Apple? Or do you want it somewhere else? Because that would change, I think, the way you're going to go about your project. If you want to keep everything in Apple, then I wouldn't pull any of the Apple library stuff out. I would leave it there and compare everything to it. But I would start the same way uh, with a couple drives, with finding all of your photos everywhere. I would just add that since you are Mac-based, every time you copy photos from one place onto your new drive, right click on that original folder and give it a red dot or another color. And that way you'll always know that those photos, those folders have been taken care of and added to your hub, um, as Susan suggested that you do. So the only additions I would make to what Susan said is, again, start by just finding everything, copying it into one place with with my one exception of leaving Apple alone, if that's where you want to end up. And then, you know, Photo Sweeper to remove duplicates can actually compare your Apple library without pulling it out to everything else that you have on that drive. So that is a really good option to try and pare some of it down. If you want to leave the Apple ecosystem for your photos, I would add, I do like Bridge, um, but I would also add, look at Mylio. They have a free version that uh, would allow you to organize photos and keep it, um, add metadata, move things around, find duplicates, that type of thing, with the caveat that, well, actually with all of these, uh, anything free that's not subscription-based is only going to live in one place. So you'll only really be able to see that new library of yours and work on it um, on your computer and not via your phone or other places. When you get to the point where you want to be able to see that library on your phone, on your computer, via the web, whatever, 
you're going to have to go subscription-based. So it really just depends on what you want your final library to look like. And I would definitely think about that before starting the project, actually. Just think about where you might want to end up and what type of access you want, what you want to be able to do with it, how much searching, do you want to share, all of those things <clears throat> will will change what you use. You know, there's a lot of good software out there. Yes, the approach can be, uh, you know, millions of different pathways. It really, when when I when I consult with my customers, I ask a lot of the questions that Allison's asking you right now. So, uh, we're uh, again, there's so many ways to slice and dice this, and uh, I uh, I do love Milio. Although it, for me, I would like to have a little less clutter, meaning going through removing dupes uh, through the photo sweeper and combining catalogs using a photo management tool so I can visually see things um, using something, you know, as simple as Adobe Bridge. And once you get those folders a little bit more organized and, and your initial sweep of removing uh, duplicates, then you can point Milio to a folder where your your files live and let it uh, index everything, and then you're off and running. Um, so that is that is a great option. Milio is free on one one device, and as Allison said, then you have to you have to pay to get all the nice fun features, <laughs> and that's true with any kind of you know software. So, Larry, we hope that this uh, gets you on the the right path, uh, whichever path that is that you're going to take. Again, the the biggest point that I want to make is make that hub, back it up, take that back up and put it on the shelf so that you can be ruthless as you go through your organizing and deleting. Um, And that's a mistake that I made years ago uh, before I I learned uh, better. So... (laughs) I think we've all made that mistake. You abs- 100%, 1,000% agree with Susan on this one is you need to make a backup of your originals before you do anything. And I like her idea of, you know, just stick it back on the shelf so that then you have a little more freedom to try different things. Or if you make a mistake, you still have it and can go back to it. And, but then when you're done and you do have a library that you like, get rid of that original copy because you'll find that that you put it on a shelf. And if you're like me, you will find that drive a year or two years from now, and you'll take a look at it and you won't exactly remember what it was. And then all of a sudden you've got more duplicates that you need to deal with. So just make, you know, make a note that at the end of your process, when you're happy with what you've got and and what you've just done is backed up in other ways, as we've talked about many times on the show, go back and clear out that original drive. Right. And and one thing that uh, someone's recommended to me, because hard drives don't last, when you get these new hard drives, take a uh, uh, a Sharpie and write the date on them when you when you purchase them. I have not been very good at doing that myself, but I, I want now that I know <laughs> I want to share that information because hard drives, again, can have a, a read write life of only so many cycles. That's what uh, the, the tech term is. And so once it hits that cycle, it's it's gone. And that could be in, in two years, three years or five. So make sure it's backed up and um, 
get started so that you can enjoy those photos, Larry. Thanks. And then let us know how it's going. Yes. Write in and let us know again. All right. Thanks, Larry. We appreciate you listening and we hope that uh, this information has helped. Well, thank you, Allison, for another lovely conversation and learning experience. Yeah, this was great. I, uh, well, I say this every time, but I always learn something new, but (laughs) it is December. So we want to wish everybody happy holidays and all of the resources from today's episode are listed on our page at www.insidephotoorganizing.com. And if you find anything interesting or have any questions, remember to, to send them our way. Have a wonderful holiday and we'll catch you next year. That's it for our show today. Remember, you can find this episode on all of your favorite podcast apps. Be sure to click follow so you can stay up to date with the latest in photo organizing. We'll catch you next month.